What do humility and stress have to do with each other? You might ask. Glad you asked. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look today at how the Lord through the Apostle Peter um, connects the dots between those two things for us and how um, humility has everything and then some to do with the level of stress we take on ourselves and, and assume on ourselves oftentimes. Let's, let's look at this text together. Verses 5 to 11 of the fifth, fifth chapter of First Peter. In the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Humble yourselves therefore before under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his, his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, four things that I want us to see from this text today as it relates to stress. First is this. Stress comes from the battle between humility and pride. It comes from the battle between humility and pride. Look at verse 5 again. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, most of us recognize this battle between pride and humility as a my way or your way kind of thing instead of a God's way and Satan's way kind of thing. And that's what I want us to see today because we think this pride and humility struggle is a human struggle. We think that it's carnal, and it isn't. That pride and humility struggle is a spiritual struggle beyond, beyond our human ca- capacity to get it sometimes. And the reason God opposes the proud, as he says here in verse 5, is because pride comes from the devil. Pride in us, that he puts in us, is sourced from our enemy, the devil. He wants us to think that life should be about me when this book tells us otherwise that our life is supposed to be about others and about our relationship to Christ and how that transposes into our, into our world and into our walk. That's why we're to clothe ourselves with humility, he says here. Now, one of the first things you notice about people who walk up to you is probably how they're dressed and how they're clothed. He's saying that to say the first impression, the attitude out of your mouth, the first thing out of your mouth, the, the countenance of you, your first impression to someone else ought to be an impression, an attitude of humility question is, is that what comes across in us? Is that folks' first impression they receive from us is, well, they seem like a selfless person who would give themselves away willingly to to help someone else in in, in need. Is that someone else's first takeaway from you when they first meet us, first see us? Are we clothed? Is our first impression, our first speech, our first attitude, is it one of humility? The battle between pride and humility is real and it's spiritual. Secondly, Stress comes from holding back what we can what we can manage, from holding back what we can manage. Look at verses 6 and 7 with me. He says here, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, 
that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In due time, he says, he'll lift you up. Cast all your anxiety upon him. It amazes me the things we think we can do better than God. We think we can manage our marriage better than God can. We think we can manage our work, our jobs better than God can. We think we can manage our money better than God can. We think we can read people and do relationships better than God can. But let, let, uh, let some unexplained hardship, some difficult place, some valley come into our life. And usually more often than not, if God doesn't, doesn't give us a solution to that in quick order, and we're running to him as quickly as we can because we can't manage that. We can't predict the outcome or see the purpose behind all of it. So we turn to him and life isn't clicking oftentimes. He says here, in due time. Now, in due time is seldom in, in our time. That's what I found to be true in my life, that due time could never come quickly enough. The thing is, the, the one describing due time is the, is the one who is eternal. It's not the one who's carnal, the one who sees Life through, through, through a fleshly lens, through, through a three score and ten lens, if we're blessed. Scripture says how long our life should, la- should last. But in due time, it's seldom in our time. And the stress comes from trying to figure out what we can manage versus what we should hand over to God in those stressful times. That, in fact, that, that's often what stresses us more than anything is, can I get my arms and my mind and my heart and my, myself and my talents and my abilities around this to, to work this out for me? Or should I hand this to God in the first place? Should I have handed it to him in the first place? And, and, and we're stressed because of that. So he's saying here to bring it all to him, to lay it all, cast all your anxiety upon him, he says in verse 7, to bring it all to him, to lay it all down, and to walk away. Now, in order to do that, we're going to have to humble ourselves before him to say, you're better at this than me. You're better at that than me. In fact, you're better at everything than me. So I'll lay all of this down to you to say, God, it is yours. Do with it as you will, because I know this. I know you work all things together for my good. It may not be in in my season. It's going to be in due time and not in the time frame that I would expect or anticipate or want for myself. But I know you see that. I know you see through a lens deeper and further than I can. And want my good, my ultimate good, is the outcome of this. So I trust you with all of this. Now, that's hard to do. It's hard to do with others. It's certainly hard to do with him sometimes, but if we're still, still stressing about what to carry and what to lay, hand, hand, to lay at his feet and walk away, the answer is all of it. Lay it all at his feet and walk away, he says here, instead of holding back what we think we can manage on our own. Stress comes from the battle between humility and pride. It comes from holding back what we can manage. Thirdly, stress comes from not recognizing the war. Not recognizing the war. Look at verses 8 and 9. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, he says, because your fellow believers are going through some of the same things you're walking through. If we think our war is against liberalism or against Islam or against uh, political correctness, or against you fill in the blank. If we think that's our war today, we're missing it. Our war is spiritual, as we looked at earlier. Our war is not with folks. Our, our, our battles may be cultural sometimes, and our battles may be political sometimes, but the overall war itself is against our enemy, the devil, he's saying in this passage. It's not against the culture. In fact, 
they're our mission field. They're the ones that God has called us and, and, and has given us to reach. And so he says that, that, that our, our, our war, our battles are sometimes cultural and, and political, but our, but our war is against the devil himself. And we should never, ever lose sight of that. He wants us to think our battle is against him or her or that or this. And it's not. Our battle is against him. They, in fact, are our mission field, he says here in this passage. So the, our culture has, sh- has shifted, and it's still shifting. I mean, it's, in the last good grief in my lifetime alone, it's amazing the shift of how, how, how far our culture has moved away from God and away from things that look like the Scripture. And that shift is still occurring. It's, it's, it's still ongoing. But the, the reality of this is that, that the more that shift occurs, and it's, it's at a breakneck pace in our day, the more that shift occurs, the greater contrast there is between darkness and light. And that contrast is what you and I need to step into. That contrast needs, needs to be where you and I voice with humility, voice a heart and a passion for God that says, he can change this. He can change you. He can change that outcome. He can change your future. He can change how you see, see work. He can change your marriage. He can change your financial situation. He can change that problem with your, with your kids. He can change that health issue you've been struggling with. He can change all of this, but we have to humble ourselves and recognize the nature of the battle. Our battle is not against them or it. Our battle is against a real enemy, the devil. Now, as the Bible said, toward the latter days, toward the end times, it's going to come into clearer view. Darkness is going to separate itself more from, from light. It's going to be a greater contrast. That's what we see in our day. So that's why he tells us here, be alert, be sober. Stand, 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 stand a post, more or less, is what he's saying, to see what's coming at you, to see this, this contrast as, as it's growing, even, even sometimes week to week in our culture. Uh, that's why we're told to be alert, so we can recognize um, the what's, the when's, the where, and how to engage those specific battles in the overall, overall war we have against our enemy. If we're not sober, and oftentimes we're not, oftentimes the body of Christ is has been lulled to sleep into thinking, you know, we know Jesus. Let, let whatever happens, happen. And he's called us here to penetrate darkness with light. He's called us here to, to step into a culture that is apart from him with humility to say he's the answer. He's the way. Now, if that, if that battle is, is one that we're not seeing, we need to sober up and, and find ourselves in a more alert place and do whatever it takes to get there. Oftentimes, you and I, the enemy clutters our life with so much good stuff, well-meaning stuff, and, and we're, we're helping over here with this group, we're helping at school with this group, and helping with this, with this community group over here, doing something at church over here, six things at church over here. And, and all of them are well-meaning, well-intended things, but our life is full of so much clutter and busyness, we, can't, we can no longer be sober. We, we can no longer find ourselves in an alert place to see, man, this culture is shifting around me and shaking under my feet. How do I address that? How do I step into that and speak Christ-likeness to, to, to the need that our culture has? How, how do I engage, uh, take a time out and engage those, those specific battles in this overall war against the enemy? Uh, if we're not sober, we're not alert, we're not going to recognize the battle, or we'll, we'll misread who it's, who, it's, who it's about and who it's for. Finally, stress comes from the battle between the humility and pride. It comes from holding back what we can manage. It comes from not recognizing the war. The stress comes finally from growing impatient in the hard place. It comes from growing impatient in the hard place. Look at verse 10. And the God of all grace, 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you, watch this, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After you have suffered for a little while, make you, uh, restore you, making you fir- strong, firm, and steadfast. The key to winning these battles between impatience and patience is, under, is understanding who's defining a little while. He says in this verse, after a little while. God's little whiles and ne- my little whiles never work out to be the same. Is that true of you? I mean, a little while for me is a few hours. Lord, can you work this? I'll give you a four-hour time span. Can you work this out? And it may for him be 40 years instead of four hours. Because a little, a little while to one looking through an eternal lens is drastically different than my little whiles. And so if we can see that and understand that going in, that he's looking through an infinite lens, our perspective will change on on a, on a little while about how this restoration occurs. Three things are often true about hard places. One is this, that they never come at a good time. They never come when you're prepared, seemingly prepared and ready for them. Hard places, valleys, uh, sticking points. They never come at a good time. They're always in an inconvenient time. Secondly, it always lasts too long. Again, the, the one who says a little while, and, and you and your definition of a little while, never seem to work out to be the same things. They always last too long. And thirdly, it's easier to focus on the hard place than looking for the lesson in the hard place. That's true of each of us. We focus on the circumstances. We want the circumstance to change instead of saying, God, what are you saying to me in the circumstance? What is this, what is this teachable moment you have for me? Um, we can't get beyond our own inconvenience or beyond the length of time or beyond the circumstance and look at what's waiting for us We'll never see it because what's waiting for us, he says in this passage, is restoration. I'm going to restore you, he says. Uh, resist him, standing firm. After you've, after you've called to his eternal glory, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This is total restoration he's talking about here, not just something partial. Uh, and the source of this restoration is not when the world suddenly starts bouncing our way. The source of this restoration, he says in this passage, is the God of all grace. God of all grace. So it's God's grace that brought on the hard place? Absolutely. Why? Because it's, it's the hard place that teaches us the lesson and the grace that allows the hard place to teach the lesson. Without the grace, there's no hard place. Without the hard place, there's no lesson. Without the lesson, there's no seeking him. Without seeking him, there's no way to find him and walk in his will, understand his way, and pursue his purpose for my life. So is it really the grace of God that allows hard places to come in my life? Absolutely, every time. We wouldn't define it that way culturally, but that's in fact the case. So the hard place is the hand and the grace of God working in your life to help us see him through it, regardless of how long it takes to get there. And in my case, it takes longer than it should because I'm looking for fixing it, which is how most of us look. Let me, how can I fix this? I need to get this fixed. For, he said, no, you don't need to fix this. You need to see the lesson that this teaches you about me, about how to walk with me, about how to see me, and see life through my lens instead of your own. Um, as we draw closer to him, we look more like him, and that's from the lesson in the hard place. It's hard to get that when life's clicking. When life's clicking, we think, boy, we got it together. We got it going on. And he teaches us about walking us through a hard place, through a valley to say, no, you don't. (laughs) And you never did. When life was clicking, it was me. 
And I want you in the hard place to see all of that. As we close, here's a uh, couple of observations. One's this. If the hard place has you confused and stressed, and oftentimes it does, it confuses us. The enemy wants confusion in the hard place. That's exactly what he's about. The scripture describes him as the master liar, the father of every lie. He's all about confusion and deception. He wants the hard place to confuse us. If the hard place has you confused and stressed, can I encourage you? Try humbling yourself. Try finding a place of humility. Try finding a teachable side of you that wouldn't otherwise be seen. You say, you don't understand my circumstance. No, I don't. But your circumstance is, it doesn't have you nailed to a cross. Bearing the weight of the sin of the world for all of life on your shoulders. I don't know what your circumstances are, but they're nothing like that. So whatever they are, they're designed for God to teach us, to mold us, to shape our thinking, to die to our own will, and to walk in his way, to see him in the middle of the hard place. We can only get there in humility. It's the only vehicle to see in it. If we think we can, we can work all this out and fix all these, all these parameters and situations, circumstances in our life, if I do this and this and this, now, okay, I'm like, he, he will never allow that to occur to his own, to his own because he values the lesson over your safety, over your uh, sense of happiness or self-worth. He values the lesson over those things because he knows in the lesson that's where you learn your self-worth. That's where you get value because you see him through a clearer lens and and oftentimes we can't get there until we get to the end of ourselves, And that's what the hard place is often about. It's getting to the end of me so that all I see at the end of me is all of him. Cast all our anxiety on him, all our stress on him. We have to humble ourselves to do that and to see him in his way. Let's pray. Father, today with these reminders from your word, we're grateful to the fact that your spirit is always at work in us. He is always at work around us to guide us to truth, to guide us to your way, to your will, to what you want us to see. And the stress that so comes our way is often brought about by the enemy because he wants us to struggle in, in this, in the, wants us to lose in this struggle between pride and humility. He wants us to, to not recognize the war for what it is. He wants us to, to, to get caught up in the heat of the battle and not recognize that our war is against him. Because we can win the battle against him with the word of God, the scripture says. We, we fight the, these incidental battles with our own strength. And he wants us to stay there. So today, would you help us see the war for what it is? Will you help us learn to die to ourselves and look through an eternal lens to say, the hard place, the, the, the valley, the, the sticking point in my life, this is the place where I see God more clearly because I have to get to the end of myself to see it. So, Whatever circumstances we brought this way this morning, would you cause this day and your word and the spirit to speak to every heart in this room to say, I allow this to happen in your life. I may have even directed it and brought it into your life for you to see a side of me that you can't see when life is working. I want you to get to the end of yourself so that at the end of you, all you see is me. You cry out after me. You follow my way. You pursue my will. My plans for you are better than yours. My will for you is better than yours. My way for you tomorrow is better than what you see for tomorrow. Father, would you take us to that place and we can only get there by humbling ourselves before you, clothing ourselves, as this passage says, in humility. That takes away the stress because it puts you in charge. And when you're in charge, why, why should we worry about it? You've got it. You've directed our path. 
You, you've ordered our steps, the word says. So as we learn to trust you, our stress wanes away and fades away because you are our hope. You are our assurance. You are our way. You are our confidence. Do those things in us today so that, so that the lesson teaches us to, to draw up closer to you, to walk and pursue your will at every turn, in every circumstance, in every hard place. Humble ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.